Today we continue our preaching series on the Holy Spirit. And for the past week, we've been covering a fair amount of background information. Last week, we talked about the activity of the Holy Spirit from creation all the way to present day. So it's the long view of the Holy Spirit and His ministry. Uh, the week before that, we talked about the Trinity. And so today, what we're going to do is, it's, it's almost a bit of a turning point in the series. We're going to get a bit more practical today in addressing what life in the Holy Spirit looks like. I had a conversation with someone who said to me, I hear what you're saying about the Holy Spirit's power and present, but it just sounds like a concept. Like, how do I really get, how do I, how do I get in touch with that, with him? How do I have access to uh, his power? Like, how do I experience that more on a daily basis? That, that was his question to me. And maybe you guys are thinking the same thing. Like, we talk about the Holy Spirit providing tremendous power and joy and boldness and life transformation. And you're hearing that, and it's like, that sounds awesome. Yes, sign me up for that. What do I do? And, and so today, we want to take some steps towards addressing that and being more practical. First thing I'd, I'd like to do is address one of the greatest obstacles that keeps us from living more in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not the only roadblock, by the way. But it's probably one of the most prominent roadblocks for us. And I do feel like if we could just remove this one roadblock, it would make a tremendous difference in all of us experiencing God's Spirit more fully and more powerfully. Okay, here it is. I think it's self-reliance. I think it's self-reliance. A lot of us live life believing that your greatest asset is your own ability. Like in my culture and then in my family upbringing, the thing we valued the most was giftedness, intelligence. You combine that with hard work, and I was taught you will be unstoppable in life. That's what I was taught. Maybe you were taught and brought up similarly, and so... If you're raised in this kind of way, it's DIY, it's do-it-yourself kind of thinking, you're probably used to going through your whole day just doing it yourself. And what we don't realize is that by living life this way, just relying on yourself, that we're missing out on all this presence and all this power of the Spirit that could be ours if we leaned into the truth of how truly limited we really are and how desperately we really need the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in John 15. He said, abide in me and I will abide in you. And then he said, apart from me, you can do... Some of you who know that verse, what's the next word? Nothing. Now, let me just stop right there and ask you, do you really believe that? Like, do you, do you think Jesus was exaggerating 
Or do you think when he said nothing, what he really meant was nothing? I think, you know, sometimes I feel like, well, nothing? I can do some things, you know? But can you do what is truly, truly wise? Can you do what is truly, truly good? Can you do what ultimately will last forever? And here's the thing, the older I get, the more I know my own limitations. Like, I, I, I can't even share a devotional with my son and have him be interested in what I'm saying. You know, I just feel, I, I just, the older I get, the more real limitations I realize I have and the more I realize what Jesus said is no exaggeration. When he says, we can't do anything without him, I have the conviction that's absolutely true. I mean, I can do some things, but nothing internal. I can do some things, but nothing truly, truly good, truly, truly impacting. And so there's this conviction. I don't think we can do anything without Jesus. You see, as long as we achieve our desires in our own power then we're always going to attribute it to our own glory. That's kind of how it works. But what you see in the scriptures that time and time again, God delights in our inability. Because when we're unable, then we rely upon him. And when we rely upon him, then we wait for his spirit. And when we wait for his spirit, then his spirit moves. And when his spirit moves and we participate, then it goes way beyond what we could ever do. And then we have a story of not how great we are, but how great God is. And then who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Now, in this message, I'm just asking you what kind of story you want your life to be about. Is your story a long, humble brag? Or is your story about how great and how awesome Jesus Christ is? Who is the hero of your story? And I'm, I'm trying to um, convince you, I suppose, from the scripture that there is a much better way to live, a much more exciting way to live, but you got to end the self-reliance. And we got to be clear that we desperately need the Holy Spirit. Uh, turn with me in your Bible to Acts chapter 1. Um, Acts chapter 1, and we're going to go through, really, in a, in a sense, we're going to go and take a very quick overview of Acts, but we're really going to spend more time in chapter 1. Now, this is the story of how the church began, and people go, wow, chapter 1 is a really cool, like, church origins story. It's the story of how it all began. And I would like to argue, like, no, I agree, it's a very cool story. But it's not just the story of how it all began. The principle that you extract from chapter 1, I think, applies in every chapter in the book of Acts. I don't know if you ever read the book of Acts that way. And I would also argue that it's not just in the book of Acts, but it continues until this day. And I would also argue that it's not just when you do ministry... But what is here in chapter 1 is really how we can go about life every day and for all of life. I'm talking all of life, work, relationships, parenting, 
the meeting on Monday, going back to school, parents, all of it, right here in chapter 1. Now, what you have here in this passage that we're about to read are the very last words of Christ before he ascends back into heaven and before the disciples are going to start the early church. Let's start right here in verse 4, and this is what Jesus said to them. Again, these are his last words to them. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to, and you guys help me out with the next word, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay, um, so the disciples, they're ready, they're scared, they're timid, they're ready, and Jesus has one instruction for them. Wait. Don't go out there yourselves. You're not ready just yet. You need something. Wait. Don't do it on your own. Wait for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive, and church, help me again, what's the next word? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Okay, so the disciples seem primarily concerned for Israel, just our small country, our small slice of the pie. And Jesus gives them a much larger vision. Not just Israel, how about the whole world? How about to the ends of the earth? Now, that's a God-sized vision, and it would leave anyone feeling like, oh, I, I don't know if I can do that, right? And so Jesus clarifies that they need to wait, and because God's mission is so grand, you're going to need divine power. And so he says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In other words, you don't have this power by yourselves. you got to wait for the Spirit who is going to bring this power. And so I want you to imagine a small band of timid disciples, and they're huddled together, and they know they need God's power. They're not plotting strategies. They're not putting together a game plan that's made from the best of human ingenuity. They're joined together constantly in prayer, and they're pleading for God's power. God, God, come. Come in the power of your Holy Spirit. And then what happens? Now we're in Acts 2. God sends His Spirit in power. Everything changes. Everyone gets filled 
with the Spirit. By the way, there was about 120 people in that gathering. There's about 120 people here, by the way. Peter gets up to preach because a, um, a large crowds like flock to Peter because they want to see what's going on. And Peter preaches, and uh, in one day, the church grows from 120 to 3,000. I mean, that is what happens when people wait on God's Spirit and God's Spirit moves in power. 120 to 3,000. Now, again, I mean, I, this is chapter 1, um, and a lot of people read chapter 1, again, they go, that's a cool story of how the church began, and I would say, no, 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 no. Actually, what you see in chapter 1 and the principle of waiting on the Spirit, it gets repeated every chapter, or a form of waiting on the Spirit happens in every chapter, now, let me quickly show this to you. Like, if you look in Acts chapter 3, we're going to go really quick, though. Uh, Peter and John speak the name of Jesus. And a 40-year-old crippled man from birth stands up to walk for the first time. Now, no one believes that Peter did this by his own power. He was led by the Spirit, which means he was waiting on the Spirit. Even as he was doing ministry, he was kind of leaning into the Spirit, and then the Spirit did this, and he, he went with the Spirit, and then miraculous power was released. And, and the text says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and then he started to speak. So here, again, in, in Acts chapter 3, we see that Peter was waiting on the Holy Spirit. He's sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Spirit says, move, he moves, speak, he's filled, he speaks. He was waiting on the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4, the believers gather together, and they pray for boldness. And then what happens? The building starts to shake. And the text says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Well, that kind of sounds a lot like chapter 1, doesn't it? They gather together. They're scared. God answers their prayer. They're waiting on the Spirit. God fills them with the Spirit, and then they have boldness. It's the same principle. They're waiting on the Spirit. And the story gets better. Chapter 8. The church is scattering to Judea and Samaria. They're preaching the gospel everywhere they go. Philip who really seems to live his life waiting on the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, gets zapped by the Holy Spirit, and then he goes from one place to the other place, and he leads an Ethiopian to Christ. This is, this is Acts chapter 8. You guys, chapter after chapter, you kind of see the same thing. It's one form of another of people waiting on God's Spirit. They're, they're busy doing what God's called them to do. Waiting on the Spirit, actually, is not necessarily a passive thing. It's a very active thing. You're actively listening. You're actively asking. You're actively um, um, interacting with the Holy Spirit. And as the Spirit moves, they go. And the Spirit moves, and it comes in power. They go with the Spirit, and then just incredible things start to happen. What we see in chapter 1 is sustained through every chapter. 
And then here's an interesting thing in the book of Acts. Um, in the very last chapter, which is Acts 28, if you read that end, the book goes along with Paul, and then suddenly it just seems to abruptly end. I don't know when was the last time you read the, the, the end of the, the book of Acts, but it just ends so abruptly as if to say that the story of waiting on the Holy Spirit is continuing today, and the story is an ongoing saga, and you can be part of that story. Now, um, I just want you guys to imagine what you think might happen if our church really cultivated this discipline of waiting on the Holy Spirit together. What do you think might happen? Or let me put it a different way. Let's say you are reading the book of Acts and you see God's people waiting in the Holy Spirit, praying, listening, really relying on the Spirit, and you see what happens. And the question is, what do you think might happen in our church if we did the same thing? I'm guessing that a lot of the stuff that you see in Acts would probably happen here. Does anyone want that kind of power that kind of God's presence here in our church. I mean, just imagine what would happen. Uh, loved ones coming to Christ, putting their faith in Jesus. We're going to see our kids getting on fire for God. We're going to see marriage being healed. And see, you'll see like sending missionaries across the world. We're going to start loving on the poor in, in unimaginable ways. We're going we're gonna to see our churches feeling closer to God than they've ever felt before. Um, a, a couple of months ago, a small group of us have been getting together the first Saturday morning of every month at 9 a.m. to pray. And I'm really excited about this. This is the first time I'm actually sharing it with the church. What do you think might happen if a lot of you came to join us first Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for an hour and a half, just waiting on the Holy Spirit, praying, listening, and relying on Him. I mean, does that get you excited about the possibilities that could happen? And now I just want you to know, church, you're invited to come with us. The next one will be February 2nd at the CLC church offices to gather together and say, God, do something great for your glory. That's your invitation. I'd love to see you there. Um, let's go back to my friend's question, which is, how do I have more access to the Holy Spirit's power and presence inside me? How do I experience his power more? Pastor Andrew, I get, I get it as a concept, but how do I, how do I um, experience more of that? Okay, well, I would say that I think the best advice that I can give you is to simply apply the instructions of Jesus in chapter 1 on a personal basis. It's this. Wait on the Spirit. Now, uh, what does wait on the Spirit mean? Well, let me, this is my definition, okay? Um, I, uh, I wrote it up. I'm like, okay, how can I express this as simply as I can, although there's some complexity to it? Here's my best definition for what it means to wait on the Spirit. 
To wait on the Holy Spirit is to embrace an attitude of desperate need for the Spirit, shown by asking, listening, expecting, and obeying His guidance. Let me, let, me, let me share that one more time. To wait on the Holy Spirit is to embrace an attitude of desperate need for the Holy Spirit, shown by asking, listening, expecting, and obeying His guidance. Let me unpack that a little bit. First of all, it's an attitude. It's really believing that you can't do this by yourself. You're saying, God, in your heart, you're saying, God, I need you. I need you. I'm depending upon you. God, if you don't come through, it's just going to be me doing mediocre stuff. God, I, I can't do anything without you. It, it means putting an end to self-sufficiency. I mean, it's like saying, I could do it, but nothing really good, nothing really eternal, nothing truly wise or good is going to come out of it. God, I need you. Okay, first of all, it's an attitude. We're putting an end to self-reliance. You begin with your end. But practically, it's this. To wait is to ask. To wait is to listen for his voice, to be attentive to him. To wait is also to have faith. You're expecting him to show up. You've been praying about a certain situation, you enter into the situation, and you're like, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. To wait is also to obey as he guides you. Sometimes it feels like you're taking a scary risk, but that's part of it. You guys, waiting on the Spirit is not passive, doing nothing, but it's active, asking, listening, expecting, and obeying. Uh, I wanted to share with you the first time I learned to wait on the Spirit. Some of you might have heard this story before. It's very uh, dear to my heart. I I became a Christian when I was 14 years old, and I had a mentor, and my mentor was mature. He, he loved God. He, he knew what it was like to walk with God. And he was telling me that you can pray to God about anything. Anything. And so I'm like, well, this is a very sweet offer. I, I think I'm going to try this. And so I was 14 years old at the time. And, and I, I thought a really good place for me to start praying to God was um, something I was worried about. Now, when I was 14 years old, I was a, like a freshman in high school, and one of the things they, they had um, in high school is they had something called social dance. Um, so it was like foxtrot and swing and tango, all these things we don't do anymore, right? And so, um, so here's the thing. Like, I could look ahead and see that this class was coming, but I'm also looking at the class, and there was a lot more boys than girls. So I'm looking ahead, and I'm thinking, ultimately, what's going to happen is that there's going to be some boys that won't get a girl partner. And I was terrified, because I didn't want to be one of those boys who couldn't get a girl partner. And so when my mentor was saying, whatever you want to pray about, you can talk to God about anything. I'm like, I think I know what I'm going to be talking to God about. And so I talked to God about this. God, social dance is coming, and I don't want to be one of those boys who doesn't get a partner. Can you help me get a partner? And I prayed this every day for a couple months. 
And then the day came, and it was the first day of social dance, and the teacher got up, and he said, okay, everyone, go ahead and get a partner. And I was thinking, because I remember I was sitting in the bleachers, and Amy Wong was right around there where Gloria is sitting. And I was going to ask Amy Wong, but I'm like, you know something? Why not just sit down and give one last prayer? So I sat down, and I gave like a 911 prayer, and then something happened. Wasn't expecting it at all. I sat down and said, Lord, help me. And all of a sudden, there was an internal voice inside me. And it was so clear. And it said, Parul Hajiwala. You, you know what that means? Of course you know. Um, Parul Hajiwala was the, the name of an Indian girl in the class. Okay? So... I wasn't expecting that. You know, no, I wasn't expecting any of it. I wasn't expecting like an internal voice, and I certainly wasn't expecting the internal voice to say, Parul Hajiwala. But it did. And so I just went with it. And so I redirected my course from Amy Wong, and, I, and, and Parul's over there, and so I redirected my course to Parul. And so I, I walked up to Parul kind of sheepishly, and I said, Parul, would you like to be dance partners? She said, she said okay. And... And we danced. <laughs> and, um, and then Parul um, was my first wife, actually. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I'm joking. All right. We, we, we danced. We had a great time. You had a great time. A couple months later, I found out that David Rummel asked Amy Wong months and months and months before. Now, this is the first time God showed me there's wonderful things that happen if you can cultivate the discipline of waiting on God's spirit. God was teaching me to pray and listen to the voice of the indwelling spirit. Now, 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 this was also another big point. God was also teaching me that there is way bigger things to pray about than just Israel and just me finding a social dance partner. But what about God's glory for the entire world? Andrew, can you dream bigger and care about bigger things? Because you're definitely going to need the Holy Spirit for that big vision. And also find a dance partner, apparently. But, but I think something happened where my heart just melted, and I just wanted my life not to be boring, contained, predictable, because it's just me relying on myself. But I think out of that was this conviction, I want my life to be a series of stories where I'm waiting on the Spirit, and God is moving, and we're doing things way more exciting than I could ever do, with a vision far more glorious than just finding a social dance partner. I want to be in partnership with God, in bringing His glory to the ends of the earth. I've sold out to a greater mission of making Jesus glorified. What about you? Where do we start? Well, how about this? Why don't we start with whatever you feel weak, worried, or out of control? I think that's a really good place to start. Now, I, I just want you to keep in mind, that's how the disciples felt. I mean, they're hearing their master say I'm going to, I'm, that he was going to leave them. 
And he was calling them to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. I mean, at that point, they're feeling very un- underqualified, and rightly so. So I think they were probably feeling weak. I, I, maybe they were feeling worried, certainly out of control. And Jesus says, wait for my spirit. What about you? What are you worried about? What do you feel weak in? Maybe you can turn that worry and that weakness into opportunity. Opportunity for God's spirit to come through, for you to participate with that spirit, and then for you to have a story of how great God is. What if your weakness and your worry was an opportunity to say, Holy Spirit, help me, guide me, strengthen me. And then when you go into that situation, you can go in with this sense of, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I just feel like that's just a way better way to live. To go in every situation because you've prayed and you're relying on God's spirit. You're not just relying on yourself. You're just like, you know, I've really given it up to God. I wonder what he's going to do. That's just a really exciting way to live. And I want to live that way. What about you? My brother moved to Connecticut, and they started to attend a church. And it was kind of weird to see that the pastor's wife was, during the worship service, just reclining on, like, a lawn chair. They're like, oh, that's kind of interesting, because no one else was, like, on a, on a lawn chair. And um, my brother and Michelle found out that the, the pastor's wife, her, her name was Liz West, she was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. And uh, recently they said, you should give Liz a call. And I just called her like uh, several days ago. And here's her story. She said that in February 1999, she had the flu. And then the symptoms just never went away. So she was like nauseous all the time, headaches all the time. She couldn't sleep at night. And so during the daytime, she was tired all, the, all, all day through. She had chronic fatigue syndrome for 18 years and nine months. I'm wondering if there's actually someone here who's younger than that, you know? 18 years and nine months. She couldn't work, always tired. She would try to, you know, help uh, lead worship at church, but she couldn't do it standing up. She couldn't do a lot of ministry, actually, and her situation and condition uh, was incurable. So for 18 years and nine months, she suffered in this way. And then in 2017, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, she walked out of church and she realized, oh, that's weird. I I didn't need my cane to walk out of church. And then she got home and she was like, oh, that's weird. I'm feeling cold sensations and I haven't felt cold for 18 years. So she called some friends of hers who were very spiritually mature, loved the Lord, and believed in healing prayer. And she said, can you come and just pray with me? And the couple said yes. And so for every week, they would pray together. And I said, Liz, what would you do? And she said, well, we would, um, we would give God thanks, and then we would just listen to the Holy Spirit. We would just wait on the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit would bring Bible verses, and the Holy Spirit would bring pictures. And then we would just spend the rest of the time praying through those Bible verses and those pictures. And she said, every week when we would wait on the Holy Spirit, I would just get a little bit better. 
and a little bit better and a little bit better. And after three months, she said, Andrew, I am now totally healed. She said, in 2018, I've been totally healed. My church had just witnessed a miracle in front of them. I'm leading worship and I'm standing up. The church is kind of like, we've never seen Liz, because the whole time they've known her, she's always been sick and lying on, a, on like a lawn chair. And now she's up, and she's about, and she's active. It's like a whole new Liz. And she said to me, I have no doubt this was the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is an example of what happens when God's people say no to self-reliance. Just a radical break with no to self-reliance. And they learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and wait on the Holy Spirit. And just imagine what might happen in you and through you if we cultivate this practice of waiting on the Holy Spirit together. Now, there's an invitation to do this individually, and there's an invitation to do this together on February the 2nd at the church office. And we're going to wait on the Spirit, we're going to listen to the Spirit. And we're going to move as the Spirit moves and pray and rely upon God for great things. Because life is way too short just to settle for what we can do. Church, let's aim for a life of what God can do through his people. And then we can only give God glory for what he does. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have given us a ministry practice where we must put an end to ourselves and we must rely on your presence and your power. Father, I've been praying for our church that during this series, we might learn more who the Spirit is and what he does. Help us to grow in awareness. Help us to listen. Help us to lean in. Help us to rely upon you. I pray that you would continue to speak to us and we will continue to choose a life that waits on your spirit, moves when you moves, and gives you glory all the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.